ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Scraps of Inspiration, this little podcast to give you a little light in this dark world. I'm your host, Brett Hund, and here with me today, I have a really good friend of mine. The, he is a photographer, a craftsman, and recently I found out a self-taught botanist and zoologist, Scott Orff. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing very well, Brett. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, so I just found out that you're a zoologist and a botanist, and we're going to get into that a little bit more later. But, like, just how many pets do you have just off, like, in your own? If I didn't count all of them, like, if I was just to guess, um, it's, like, in the 30s is why I tell people. But I think it's a little bit more than that, to be (laughs) honest with you, because I have babies propping up from some cages. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just just a little hobby. (laughs) All right, 30 plus and multiplying by the minute. (laughs) Very nice, very nice. So, uh, to get this started off and, like, to warm us up a little bit, we're going to play a little bit of a game. Uh, It's going to be called (laughs) Witch Game. So, video games are, like, a big thing that inspires me, and I know it inspires a lot of people around the world, and sometimes video games give this, like, little... They give these seeds of wisdom to people that you don't ever expect for them to give, especially from games that you never really expect to have the that bit of wisdom in it, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a video game quote, and you got to try and guess which video game it's from. Okay. All right? So we'll start off with an easy one. The cake is a lie. Oh, that's from Portal. There we go. Okay. So... I'm a monument to all your sins. Oh, that's easy. That's the grave mine from Halo 2. <laughs> that is exactly that. Um, I survived because the fire inside me burned brighter than the fire around me. Oh, I know this one. Uh, oh. You got it. You got it. I survived because the fire inside Oh, that's Joshua Graham from Fallout New Vegas. It is indeed. <laughs> you nailed it. I actually, I looked at my Fallout uh, shelf up there and that's what gave it to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, we all make choices in life, but in the end, our choices make us. That's really familiar. We all make choices in life, and our choices make us. I feel like this is the one I'm going to get wrong. Is it from Bioshock? It is from Bioshock. It's Jander <laughs> Ryan from Bioshock. <laughs> all right, all right. Which is better, to be born good or to overcome the evil nature through great effort? See, I feel like that one's from a movie, but if I was to put a game to it, oh. Oh, no. Overcome the good or evil through good answer. Um, I'm definitely going to get this one wrong. Uh, do you want me to give you a hint? Yes. A dragon said it. Oh, is this from Skyrim? It is from Skyrim. It's Parthenox. I, <laughs> I haven't played Skyrim, but I do know a lot about it. Alright, I'm glad you got that one then. Glad you got it. (laughs) Too many people have opinions on things they know nothing about. The more ignorant they are, the more opinions they have. That one doesn't even sound familiar to me. Vaguely familiar. It's it's an obscure quote from Fallout New Vegas. Oh, really? (laughs) Yep. Man, I feel feel like ashamed. I have a whole New Vegas shelf, but I didn't even know that one. (laughs) It's alright, it's alright. So, this one, I'm actually not sure if you played this game, but I'm, okay. I'm, I'm hoping you'll get it. Don't ever stop. Always keep going, no matter what happens and is taken from you. Even when life is unfair, don't give up. 
Is that from The Last of Us? It's not. Oh, what's that from? It's from Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. I never finished that game. Yeah. I got stuck on the part in the... I don't even know what it was. I think it was a sewer. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. My game glitched. All right. And these uh, two ones that I have are bonus ones because I'm not sure if they're from video games, but I think who said them is the funniest thing in the entire world. Okay. Oh, okay. Ready? Uh, this one is, If the world chooses to become my enemy, I will fight like I always have. Is it from a sci-fi genre? Of sorts. I think it's from... No, it's not a video game. <laughs> um, oh, heck. It's not from Doom. Nope. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It, it oh is my... Shadow the Hedgehog from Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That was way off there. Oh my, it was just like the things like that. <laughs> the mm -hmm. most obscure things in the most innocent of games. Ready? This one is not from a video game, but it's from a movie based off of a video game. Oh, okay. I can, yeah. I, I'll probably get this one then. Um, I see now that the circumstances of one's birth is irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. Is that from the Assassin's Creed movie? Nope. Oh, really? What's that from? <laughs> it's Mewtwo from the Pokemon movie. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, luckily I don't have a Pokemon shelf. Yes, you don't have a Pokemon shelf in here. <laughs> That's all good. So that concludes our game of <laughs> which game. And you did stunning. I, I feel like <laughs> if I was really say. good in that first half. It is all good. I just threw some curveballs at you, and you <laughs> definitely you nailed that game. But... With that last quote, I see now that the circumstances of one birth is irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. I know that you have given, given the gift of life, and you have taken it and ran with it as much as you can. And I would just like to get your insight on a few things you've done. Like, tell me about your photography. Uh, my photography is a very, very uh, strange portion of my, uh, my time that I spend across all my multiple hobbies. Um... It really just started because I, I was just helping out my other photography friend. I wasn't really into it. Um, I had dreams of being like, I don't even know. I don't remember what I was hoping to do with myself at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually I just started taking pictures myself. And people started like talking really well about them. Mm -hmm. um, which just kind of made me keep going at it. And then for a while I was really doing photography really well. Um, and why, I, I based my success off it, off the fact that people were wanting me to take pictures of them and, like, specifically asking for me and mm -hmm. all that. Um, because, I mean, I could take pictures I like all day, mm -hmm. but if no one else likes them, you can't really say whether there's, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of yourself that you have to be happy with, but then you also have to have some validation from others. Mm -hmm. um, because you can either be a, a critic who, because I always say you're, you're your worst critic, but you're also... You can be your uh, best uh, supporter. You yeah. Know? So it's a good way to judge yourself based off how other people react to your things, and mm -hmm. that's why I just kind of ran with for a while. But then the the virus uh, kind of killed that little bit. So yeah. I don't know if it's going to come back anytime soon. It kind of just depends on people's uh, opinions. And of course, right now you can't go outside in public technically without wearing a mask. So mm -hmm. 
10 defeats taking pictures of people, but yeah. we'll see where it goes. I'm sure by Christmas most of this will be different, so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you do portraits and, like, landscapes, right? You take, take nature photos and photos of people, correct? Yeah, that's primarily the two things I do is um, close-up portraits and landscapes, which are, like, the polar opposite of one another because one's really close of one thing and another's a really far away, you know, so, like, I kind of like the dichotomy of those two things, mm-hmm. um, but I really like doing portraits, mm-hmm. and specifically portraits because I really like facial expressions and mm-hmm. um, you know, emotions that you can convey through that. Yeah, people's emotions can be so dynamic, and just capturing that, I bet, is amazing. And animals as well. I really love doing portraits of all my different animals mm-hmm. um, and kind of capturing them in a almost wild sense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm inspired a lot by National Geographic and the way that they do stuff and they actually um from my understanding they mainly shoot with film mm-hmm. still so the saturation and um all that is a lot different in film mm-hmm. and i i tried to mimic that a little bit with my animal photos mm-hmm. um, even though i'm using a dslr but um yeah I, I that's kind of what inspired me to start taking pictures of animals mm-hmm. not just the animals themselves but kind of just watching those documentaries and seeing all the pictures on the various mm-hmm. uh, doctor's offices I've been to. So Yeah. Seeing the, like, the works of people that have, like, made it in the industry really yeah. kind of gets you going and gets you excited about that. On, that and, like, I just find it fascinating because some of those photographers will just spend, like, months to get one good shot mm-hmm. or one good piece of film. And not only do you have to be good with the camera, but you have to understand the animals that you're actually looking for. And, mm-hmm. um... That's uh, I find that very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen the like the be- behind the scene pictures of all those natural uh, nat- uh, naturalist uh, photographers and um, how what lengths they go to to get the picture that they need, like being inches away from a lion from a lion oh, or yeah. something like that. It's uh, it's crazy. Sorry, my phone went off there. Oh, you're good. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's insane. I, I really like admire all those uh, different people and like ju- just the fact that because I think people appreciate animals more when they can humanize them mm-hmm. and being able to see animals up close like that and see them living in their own lives really like humanizes them and makes people appreciate them more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think almost it's not to it's it's to a close degree, but I think seeing them in person's the still the best way. To really appreciate some of these creatures because mm-hmm. you get the, the you get to feel their presence and see the majesty of some of them especially some of the bigger animals in the world <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah I think that's I think that's something that's really benefited uh, like conservation stuff like that is photography and all that stuff because being able to see it in the wild is so much different than just reading about it and mm-hmm. hearing about it so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely so you've uh you're a photographer, but, like, one thing I knew you as, especially when we went to high school together, so one thing I kept on hearing about was all the things he would start creating. And coming back after not being around him for three years, seeing what he's created is the most amazing thing I have ever experienced. Tell me about, like, your journey as a craftsman. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always been, like, it started off as a kid, like, wanting a toy that no one made. And you'd watch videos online of people making, like, Halo armor or mm-hmm. any other sort of thing. Um, I used to watch this channel called Indie Mogul. I don't know if they're still around, but they had this backyard VFX show where th- their whole thing was, like, showing off how to do visual effects, but 
I was always interested on like replicating like the portal gun or the master chief armor or, mm-hmm. or stuff like that from all these different video games that I had played. Mm-hmm. And I like video games much more than I do any movie or f- especially TV or any literature. Um, I love the designs of all the stuff. So I, I've always wanted that. Mm-hmm. And um, as a kid, I'd always try to create those because I couldn't go to Walmart or a, a store and buy it. So um, I think one of the first things I actually made is uh, this pit boy. I usually have it out. I think I have it in storage. But it was the first one that I'd made, and it was so crude and just shoddy. I remember and, when you showed me that. Yeah. I remembered it. Mm-hmm. And uh, even before then, I actually made some Master Chief armor, which did not look anything like Master Chief. <laughs> it, I mean, it was just my abilities that I had at the time, so I kind of just hodgepodge something together mm-hmm. and then painted it very roughly. And um, Yeah, I, I just... It was that want to have something that I couldn't find, and so I just decided to make it myself. And it's evolved all the way to now where I have a, a 3D printer and I'm printing the things that I want and um, you, know, you can't as awesome as 3D printing is. You can't just make anything. Yeah, I mean you you can, but everything has its own task and challenges. And sometimes printing something's the best thing. But if you're trying to make like sculptures and other stuff like that, even using conventional means, like some of the models that I've made for Dungeons and Dragons, I found it easier to use conventional ways of model making mm-hmm. but then amplify it with a 3D printer to get geometry and shapes that I couldn't normally do because. Mm-hmm. I'm okay at sculpting. I'm better at sculpting natural things than I am sculpting, like... And when I say natural, I mean, like, rock formations and purely rock formations. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could sculpt anything else. Um, Maybe if I gave enough effort, I could try to. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, no, that's where it all kind of started from, was just my my desire to have something that I couldn't find. So, Mm -hmm. you know... Just yeah. decided to do it myself. And all the way up to, like, the terrariums that you've built for your, all yes. of your little pets. Yes. Um, that was the biggest thing, because, like, it's kind of recent, the whole, like, it's called bioactive, um, the bioactive living terrarium. Because mm-hmm. um, before, you know, you'd have an iguana, and you just stick it in a cage, and you'd give it, like, a dead branch, and, like, a water dish, and that was it, you yeah. know. But now, you know, people are really starting to and myself, we're really starting to make it bioactive and try and make them as living cages as I can. And when I say living, you know, there, there's um, microfauna in the soil that lives in it and will eat the poo and the, the fungus and all the other stuff that you don't normally want in the cage. Mm-hmm. And they'll keep it clean. Um, and the animals, I think, really benefit from it. Um, because their habitats, for one, they smell much nicer. I mean, I don't think my room smells great, but it's not as bad as what you'd think for the amount of animals that I have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually think this stubborn guy makes up most of the smell. <laughs> his, his would be the hardest to make bioactive just because of how destructive he is. But Yeah, it's like a two-foot lizard that he's pointing at at this point. <laughs> my, my Savannah Wander Rex, which I found out today, it's been two years that I've had him to today. Um, he started roughly the size, like half the size of my forearm, and now he's 32 inches. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's a champion. Amazing. He makes me proud every time I see him like a son. Truly a king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, and that, with the terrariums and the making them, like, bioactive and having all that brings me to the zoology and the <laughs> botany that you've expanded into this amazing, uh, almost empire of 
animals and cages that you have surrounding your room and your house. It's just amazing yeah. to see what you've done. How did that come about? How did you find the passion for that? Well, you know, I, I, I got a scorpion from a teacher um, for the summer, and I just thought it was really cool. And I, I, I was just upset with, like, how she had it, because she had it in just a little, like, it was a tote, essentially. And a lot of animal keepers keep their animals in totes, but that's only if they're, like, breeding or if, they have a, if they're, like, a distributor and they have a large number of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I never liked having my animals in that. I always wanted to be able to view them and view them in a way that was almost like one of my photos. I guess all my passions I can really tie together in some way um, because some of my cages have 3D printed objects that I put in them. Um, Like the PLA that I use is all natural. Um, It's made out of cornstarch. So you can put it with animals. You can even put it in fish tanks from my understanding. Um, And it works just fine. Um, But yeah, I kind of, I like having very visually aesthetic things. And so, you know, I, a, a real plant looks so much better than a fake plant. But how do you keep a real plant in a lizard cage? Mm-hmm. Well, you need real, you need real soil. Um, I thought I turned you off. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you need real soil for the cage, and you need, um, you know, that that's how your plants will grow. So if you don't have that, but in order to have real soil. You need to keep it clean. Well, you can try to spot clean it every day, but that's going to get rough. Mm-hmm. So you need to put in, you know, bugs. I have springtails, isopods, uh, dromescus beetles. Mm-hmm. I have them living in my cages, um, and they do the work of cleaning it and maintaining the cleanliness of it. But they also, you know, turn it and basically do what is found outside. So it's not just about having the animal itself, but it's also about creating a living environment um, that the plants can thrive in and thus the animal. Um, and so it's... You know, it's just, uh, I find it just entirely fascinating and captivating. And it it all just started from the fact of I wanted my cages to look nicer Mm -hmm. and have plants in them, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, The people you can find on YouTube are making their cages. They're they're just breathtaking. Like, they're they're almost more, they're almost more enticing than the actual animal itself. Mm -hmm. You know, like the animal itself is just a a bi-part of, or byproduct of the cage because, you know, you're making the cage for the animal, but the mm-hmm. cage itself almost ends up being the star. And, mm-hmm. um, I, that, and to me, that uh, another thing is it turns it from a cage to a habitat. You know, it's like a proper habitat. Because I think that's where the animals are their happiest, is when they can live in an environment that's kind of like what they live in um, at home, except you don't have predators, and you don't have disease, and you don't have droughts or exactly. famine and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, like a, it's literally a utopia or heaven-like environment for them. And, yeah, it's 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 just captivating to me. Yeah, and you have so much care for all of these animals, and it like makes me really happy to see them in such a good and positive environment. Um, but you mentioned it a few, a little bit of earlier. But just to move this along a little bit, I'm wondering what keeps you inspired to do your photography or do your uh, crafts or do your like zoology and botany or just anything in life. What keeps you inspired to do that? You know, um, it's kind of, it's hard to say because it's really different depending on each of the the stuff. So like, like if I said the gym, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. Like me not wanting to be an unhealthy, uh, uh, lump, you Mm -hmm. know, that's kind of what pushes me to go to the gym. And with photography, it's just like, you know, I, 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 this sounds really 
strange, but I see every day, right? Yeah. And so I see potential photos, and it like, it's almost like a thorn in my side that when I have these photos in my head, but they're not real yet, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it, that that's what compels me to photography, and obviously the animals is you know it's an animal, it needs to be fed, it needs to be taken care of. It's if it's injured, it needs to be helped. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that, you know. So mm-hmm. the. And then the 3D printing is just because I think it's so cool. Like, I'm like, <laughs> it, it puts a smile on my face every time it finishes. And even when it messes up, I still just find it so cool because you're taking this this spool of plastic and you're turning into something that essentially has intrinsic value, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I, I just find uh, it's just insane, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a very optimistic view of the world because, like, Every day I go out, I just I just find it crazy to believe like we're living in the same age as, uh, the you know Elon Musk and mm-hmm. all of his space stuff that he's doing. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that we like it, it. seems so simple if you put it on paper that two people flew to space, but you know there's two private citizens that flew to space. Yeah. I just think that's insane. Um, that that that's kind of what inspires me is because I'm. In my opinion, as much problems as we have in the world, we're also living in the most enlightened age mm-hmm. and the most capable age mm-hmm. and the, the age of the best health and, for by and large, the best quality of life for the most number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what just kind of inspires me. Yeah, there are so many visionaries that you see nowadays, and it's kind of amazing to think that we're alive the same time that they're alive. We were lucky enough to be born. To be born the same time as the internet, too. Because mm-hmm. I, mean, I wouldn't be able to do anything without the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, none of my hobbies would work, because, I mean, sure, I could probably find animal knowledge in books, but so many, like, of the literature that you read about animals is incorrect nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, like, just, like, with iguanas, like, people were feeding iguanas rodents and things like that which mm-hmm. yeah, i mean maybe they would eat one they eat bugs when they're little but mm-hmm. they kind of grow out of it and you know but that like there's so much stuff that's changed nowadays and i that's why i love them so much about the internet is stuff can be updated and you can see history of things and um it, yeah it's just amazing that's what i that's what i love so much is that we we just live in such a an amazing time you know like mm-hmm. my i have if you look behind you actually brett yeah um, that pictured frame is a like sampler of uh, a great grandmother actually so my great grandpa it was a great grandmother of his however many greats that relevates to me so that was made in 1883 or sorry 1838 1835 oh 1835 yeah it's a needlepoint sampler of all the letters that she would need and that's amazing that you have that and so the uncle or sorry grandpa that made that. I was born in 1998. He was born in 1898. Huh. Right. All right. Um. So he thought that was crazy in his day and age. And here now I have it. You know. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that's an artifact from a relative of mine that was alive in 18 what 35. 1835. Yeah, 1835. And the thing that that was like the that was so amazing to them that they picture framed it. You know. Uh huh. And. It's sitting across from one of the most advanced pieces of machinery, a 3D printer. <laughs> I know. Um, that, I, I purposely set it up that way because it just blows my mind. It's truly <laughs> amazing. Because it's essentially the same type of technology, just hundreds of years <laughs> apart. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it's just insane. Like, we're so lucky. Like, that's, what, that's ultimately what it boils down to every day. I think of how lucky I am, you know? Yeah. Like, I... 
I am so privileged to not only live in the country I am, because, you know, say what you want about the U.S., I at least able to, for me, myself, I'm at least able to live in it uh, safely. I have easy access to food and education and all this stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. not, not everybody can say that in the world, you know. And yeah. That's what, I, I guess that's what boils down to every day is whenever I'm feeling down, I always just think it could be worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever situation I'm in, it always could be worse. And there's someone who has a worse setup, you know, and so rather than just staying down, I, I instead just get this passion to go and do something about it, and, um, you know, and I, I like making things, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think of myself as a very creative and almost creator type person, so, mm-hmm. absolutely, um, I, I use that passion of how lucky I feel to just, um, make and do stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think every second of time that you're not making something is just a wasted mm-hmm. potential, or, or if you're at least not thinking about something, because even when I'm relaxing, I'm still... I'm still thinking about the next project. And the mind's always going, thing. right? Yeah. Like, and that, that's why my room is it's just filled with stuff to inspire me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could call me a hoarder, but at the same time, I, I keep the things I do because it has either inspired me in some way or it's yet to inspire me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, the stuff I've made. Yeah. Um, I like to surround myself with that because it's like my zen. Um, I, I've tried working in other environments like in workshops at work or at school, mm-hmm. and the same juices just don't flow, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but in here, I can really crank stuff out. Yeah. Uh, that's a trait me and you share about, like, being inspired because of how lucky I am and always remembering that it could always be so much worse. Oh, yeah. Like, because, like, where I'm at in my point of life, yeah, it may not be the best. There's a pandemic going on, and things are kind of rough. But, I mean, I've been in worse places in mm-hmm. my life. I've been, like, a low, 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 low lows. And I am so lucky to be where I am right now. I, that's exactly what I think, you know. And even the pandemic, as bad as it is, it could be so much worse. It could be. We, we have, like, pandemic on easy mode. Like, you know that <laughs> meme with uh, The Office and Dwight saying we need a plague? Uh-huh. Well, here it is. We finally got the plague. We but found it's it. Like, <laughs> it's like easy mode plague. It's not, it's not the devastating, you know plague like the bubonic plague was mm-hmm. you know, the lack of technology along exactly. with the poor living yeah. environment well, all our cleanliness that we have and all of our technology within the suits like comparing their the the, the plague doctor masks mm-hmm. and suit compared to like the cdc hazmat suit you know mm-hmm. we're so lucky that all that stuff exists and like i said and i brought my grandpa earlier because he lived a hundred years ago mm-hmm. or a hundred years before me and his life was insanely different to what I have now you know mm-hmm. and I, I just feel so grateful for that that I, I have the life that I do and I, I don't ever want to waste the second of it never waste the second of never it. so speaking of your life mm-hmm. there are so many times that people forget the good things that they do in their lives right mm-hmm. especially in recent times like people can really beat themselves up and be hard about it but I'm always inspired whenever people share the great things that they've done especially in recent times Mm -hmm. so what i want you to do for me right here right now is think back in your recent timeline and think of three great things that you've done or that you're really extremely proud of okay that you've done and i just want you to list them off uh one uh one after the number give a little bit of a explanation with it if you will oh yeah um when am I supposed to start out? Like, is there a starting point? Nope. Just whatever. Just whatever. Order you, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, the f- the first thing of any significance that I can remember of like me doing. 
honestly, it wasn't even like a project. It was just kind of a courage thing. Because mm-hmm. I used to go to a private school that I really um, didn't like. And uh, it was this elementary school that I went to. It was a private Christian school. And I myself am not Christian, nor is my family. So it, it's a big, long story as to why I went to that place. But mm-hmm. to make a long story short, I hated it there. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with the religious factor. I think it was just that it was a... It was an isolated environment mm-hmm. where, you know, I wasn't, I was kind of a different kid because I wasn't the rule follower. Mm-hmm. I was the trailblazer. And um, they obviously didn't really agree with that. Uh-huh. Um, so, one of the biggest things is just getting the courage to leave that place, mm-hmm. you know, because I was fearful of just leaving, you know, breaking that normality that I have. Because even though I didn't like it, it was, it was comfortable, it was normal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I knew I wasn't happy there, so just being able to leave it was the biggest thing to me. Um, and from there, um, I remember in eighth grade, I made a few things um, for the class, like pre- projects and other like visual stuff. Mm-hmm. They were nothing big. They were they were more like comedic, like comedic in how bad it was sort mm-hmm. of way. Um, but that eventually bled into the. Um, my high school years, um, where I really put a lot of effort into anything I made project-wise. Like, I, I, I really wanted to have that project in high school where, like, I made a video or a presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I can think of a specific one my um, senior year. I took, I switched from an AP class, it was AP psychology. Uh-huh. I switched to criminal, um, oh, what, criminology. I was in that psychology class. I remember you switching. Yeah, I, I switched out of an, an advanced placement class to go to essentially a remedial class. Mm-hmm. Only because I found it so much more interesting. I mean, psychology is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, criminology, like, that was... And, it was, like I said, it wasn't like a high-level class. But I ended that class with 110%. Mm-hmm. And I can remember one project. Actually, it's two projects. Because the first project, um, I remember... And I just saw this teacher a couple days ago at a bar, of all places. Um, but I remember he said the words, that was literally perfect, good job. Mm-hmm. And then handed me the paperback and gave me a 99%. What? Yeah, he said literally perfect and gave me a 99%. And I remember that. I, I don't know if this was intentional. I, I like to think it was intentional because that would make a good story. But I have a feeling he was just... He didn't want to give me 100% because it would make the rest of his class look bad. But, yeah. Um, I remember it put this fire in me to just get as high of a grade as I could on the next one. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember what that presentation was about because my uh, my uh, school uh, Google profile got wiped at the end of senior year. Mm-hmm. But I remember the next project, I literally just pulled out every trick I had, you know, visual-wise. Like, not only did I get my research really good, but I also really invested a lot of time into PowerPoint and making my presentation look as professional as possible. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I took it to the next level of, you know, going beyond the rubric and really um, trying to just impress that teacher. And he gave me 110%, which was funny enough, my uh, my grade in the class at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, I really was really passionate about that class. Mm-hmm. Um, that That kind of then bled into, you know, after high school, I think the scariest point in my life was graduating high school. And it wasn't graduation itself. Yeah. It was the first day of college. Mm-hmm. And I went to public community college. And mm-hmm. I was just completely lost. 
you know, I had this whole idea wrapped up in my head that I was going to go to school to be a photographer and everything was just going to work out fine, but I completely just bombed my first college classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it wasn't because I didn't understand it. It was just the anxiety that I had from it, you know. Um, it, I was just freaked out because I wasn't sure in what I was doing and all that. And mm-hmm. so I went from college to then working as a newborn photographer in a hospital. Oh, okay. Um, and that brought its own sort of, uh, like, I, I've always just wanted to be successful. And I don't mean it in a sense of, like, I want a lot of money. Yeah. I want a lot of fame. I just want to be competent. I like having a good grade. You I understand I mean? that, yeah. Yeah, it all boils down to I like having a good grade. I could get paid nothing, and as long as people like it, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. You yeah, know? that's all I want is to make people happy. And so, this photography job—I'm taking pictures of babies going door to door in the nursery section of the hospital, and I just wanted to do as good of a job as I could. And honestly, it was kind of a wake-up call for me because mm-hmm. I was terrible at that job. Like I'm a good photographer, I'll say that about myself, but mm-hmm. I'm not a great baby salesman photographer because that's what that job kind of was. It yeah. kind of felt like a an amusement park photographer where you're not really like doing anything artistic you're kind of just taking a, a basic like a, a structured photo mm-hmm. and then trying to sell it to the people because that's what that job was yeah um, and I hated that job so mm-hmm. much I hated that job so so much and around that time though now that I'm working I have money yes and with money came all the animals yes and so that's where I built up the bulk of what I have now was this new source of income that I had and I, I got all my animals and really the f- one of the first things that I, I was really proud of was my lizards and the health of them you know yeah. just being able to take um, like this one leopard gecko up here um, I, I could show you some photos um, I don't know where they are though but basically this lizard came in um, it's a leopard gecko mm-hmm. and she was full grown mm-hmm. but she was thin like thin as eh, maybe think of the double the thickness of this oh yeah but still thin right? yeah super thin super thin she was i i do not exaggerate she was a centimeter and a half across mm-hmm. and that's and if you count her hips she was like three centimeters but they were bone mm-hmm. you know she was on death's door that when i the first day i had her i just poured some water into her bowl and she drank the water for 20 minutes you know she was just so neglected i thought she was going to die but mm-hmm. All I did was just spend basically all of, you know, the first four weeks with her, just constantly giving her attention and mm-hmm. getting her as much food and, and love as I could. And then by Thanksgiving, I took a, a before and after pic, mm-hmm. and she was fat. Oh, yes. I mean, yes. she was just chunky. She went from that centimeter and a half to, I swear, four centimeters across. Yeah. You know, Get that and, thick lizard life. Yeah, she was thick. And her tail wasn't big yet, but her body was nice and thick. Um... But she eventually, you know, that was three years ago. Um, we'll go to today. She just had her first clutch of eggs hatch. Oh. You know, and that to me was just like, because again, like when it comes to measuring the success with your animals, you can get everybody's opinion, but to me that doesn't matter. The opinion of a human on the happiness of an animal is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You know for a hundred percent certain that that animal is not only breeding, but her eggs are viable mm-hmm. and producing extremely healthy babies. Yeah. Um, you know that lizard is happy. And yes. That is honestly one of my biggest accomplishments of late was the fact that that lizard, after going so much adversity, 
was able to come back through it and have offspring that were healthy and are thriving. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was like one of my biggest accomplishments. And honestly, Rex, um, the story behind him, I got him from another owner who was not taking care of him correctly. Um, he's a Savannah monitor, mm-hmm. and they were only feeding him dubia cockroaches with no vitamins, nothing else. Uh, not good for the lizard. Yeah, and I mean, as, if he had some vitamins, he probably would have been fine, but they also didn't have any sort of UV lighting. Um, I think he just had a red heat bulb, which the red heat bulbs aren't really good for their eyes, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, for the first two months of me having him, he couldn't uh, physically pick up food. They would uh, the metabolic bone disease causes his jaw to be like rubber, yeah. and he would drop all of his food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took a syringe and I bottle fed him this like mush. It was Rapashi's, uh meat pie. And <laughs> I, I bottle fed him in a very watery form. Uh-huh. And two months later, I fed him his first uh, hornworm and pinky mouse, and he did it all himself Aww. with no help from me. And that was another moment where I was just extremely proud. Um, and anytime I'm feeling, any, anytime I have like a failure with one of the animals or, um, maybe something doesn't turn out the way I want it, I just think about those two instances and I go, that's what makes it worth it. You know, mm-hmm. that's my, my driving force. Cause you know, that, that, that's success that you can measure, you know, that, that's a, mm-hmm. that's more than just 110% on a grade. You know, that's, yeah. that's something that I, I don't know. I can't even explain how much that means to me. You know, that's. And I, I even, I'll take that energy and apply it to my other stuff, you know. Absolutely. So. Those yeah. were fantastic, great things. <laughs> and I'm so glad you shared them with me. And I'm so glad that you remembered them and you're so proud of them. So, one more thing that I need from you mm-hmm. is if you could give, if you could have a loudspeaker all around the world and give an inspirational message to everybody around the world so that they could hear it, what would you say to them? I would say... You're the captain of your own ship, which is like such a cliche saying, but it's it's true. And even if it isn't true, even if you're someone who is, like, say, under a, an autocracy or being held captive or locked up, I mean, like the the cosmos is a it's infinite and anything can happen. And there goes my rain system. But um, no, I I mean, anytime I've ever felt like I'm being forced to do something that I don't like or I think is wrong. I mean, it, to me, that, that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I'm in control. Um, I, I never want to ever think about the negative stuff. I always want to think about the positive things because I can dwell on negative stuff all day, mm-hmm. but that doesn't ever get me any productivity. It's only when I think about the positive things I've done and the positive things that I have um, that keep me going. Because I. It goes back to my original saying, it could always be worse. Mm-hmm. Um, any situation can always be worse. But at the same time, any situation can always be better. Mm-hmm. So you should always strive to make your... Um, you should always strive to make your situation better, but at least be grateful for what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, you're the captain of your ship. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not, your mindset should be. And you should always focus on doing things for yourself, um, I, I always say you should always take care of yourself first mm-hmm. and then try to help other people. It's just like on an airplane when the oxygen masks come down. Yeah. you got to help yourself out first. And um, I, f- I feel like in the modern world, a lot of people are, are too focused on other things other than themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it's selfish to look at it like that because 
it, it's just like that the playing analogy you know if you can't help yourself then you can't help others mm -hmm. um, and you should get your own orders in order before you start worrying about others so mm -hmm. yeah that's a fantastic message and thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> well, welcome, right. Brett. so uh, basically uh, your parts of this podcast is done Mm -hmm. uh, now it's time for my part, and the this, I didn't tell you about this. I don't tell anybody about this whenever they talk about it. Um, but what I take this last moment to do is to compliment my guests because so many people don't get complimented enough nowadays, and I feel like it's very important, especially taking your time to come on here and let me interview you, that you deserve a compliment, uh, at least from my heart. You know. Oh, thank you. So. For that. What I wanted to tell you was, ever since in the seventh grade, you became my friend. Right? Oh, Brett. And even all the way throughout high school, you were always there helping me along the way. Even, like, that first that first week of freshman year when you invited me over to your lunch table yes. because I looked like a lost puppy and I met mm -hmm. Will and all these people that would eventually become my friends all the way throughout high school, you have always been there for me. In my hardest times, you have always been there for me. You created one of my favorite things that I still have on my shelf, which is a Nuka-Cola bottle. Oh, <laughs> oh And honestly, I just want to thank you so much for always being there for me. And even when the past three years when I haven't been around, uh, thinking of you and all the accomplishments that you've done and all the good things you've done in the world just kept me going even when the times were extremely hard and I just want to thank you for that oh Brett dog the best <laughs> absolutely I needed that after after a long day at work yeah. <laughs> there we go so uh, I'm gonna give you these last few seconds to uh, shout out yourself or anything that you want to anybody anything you want them to support first if you want to support anything Support yourself is what I would say. There we go. But you, should also, you should also just look at, I mean, if you see someone who needs your help, I say always help them. I, I, I don't ever think that being helpful is a bad thing unless it's detrimental to yourself. Yes. But if I am to shout out anything of mine, look up Scott underscore, underscore, yeah, underscore Orf on Instagram. That's where you can see my photography. I'm also starting to post about my... Uh, uh, animal stuff, and I might be starting a YouTube channel in the next few weeks Ooh. if I can figure out how to do that whole thing. That's gonna be a whole new thing I'm gonna have to learn. So, yeah, you, you can see all my all my passions on my Insta, uh -huh. and I might make some other like uh, portfolio stuff for my photography and my animal stuff mm -hmm. on some other websites. But I'll link that all on my uh, Instagram so y'all can see that there. All right. And, uh, well, Scott, thank you so much for being oh, on this Brett, podcast with me. This was so much fun. I'm so glad you thought so. And everybody out there listening, thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, go ahead and subscribe to it. Uh, give it a rating if you're feeling like it. Also, uh, pretty soon we're going to have a Twitter and Instagram and a Facebook page open. Uh, you can find it at Scraps of Inspiration uh, everywhere. And uh, just always keep in mind that the world may seem dark at times, but there's always going to be a light. You just need to find it sometimes. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.